Welcome to Business with Beers. I am your host, Brian Beers. This is a podcast for entrepreneurs who want to learn how to build and manage their wealth like they manage their business. My goal with every episode is to inspire you through the stories of my guests. This week, we got an awesome show with JP Ship. JP runs an electrical contracting company that has over 50 employees doing over $12 million in revenue. JP and his partner have built the company from the ground up starting 10 years ago with just two guys in a truck. A big part of JP's business is government contracts. He shares some insights on how he landed over $6 million this year and was the only company to bid on them. JP has been a grinder his whole life and shares a very inspirational story about his humbling childhood. He has some great insight on how he's always looked at life through a positive lens, even during the most challenging times. If you get value from this conversation, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts with your biggest takeaway and share this episode with another entrepreneur who you believe would also benefit. And before I get in today's show, I want to tell you about an extraordinary offer from a company that I am currently using called My Outdesk. My Outdesk offers professional virtual assistant services. They also happen to be the number one virtual assistant company by Tech Radar with over 700 five-star reviews. I've got many friends and associates that are among the thousands of their satisfied customers. I always get lots of listeners asking questions on how do I scale while lowering my costs? I use My Outdesk to save over 70% versus a traditional in-person hire. So for Business with Beers listeners, My Outdesk is offering a free double your business strategy session. Simply go to myoutdesk.com slash beers, as in my last name, to schedule a call. And on this call, you will work one-on-one with one of their business consultants to design an action strategy to hire and launch a virtual assistant into your business today. Hey, well, welcome to the show, JP. Hey, how you doing? Hey, well, this wouldn't be business with beers if I didn't ask you that me and you are at your favorite bar down in Maryland. What would we be drinking? So I, I'd probably be drinking water, Brian, to be honest. I'd be there just... Uh, All right, that's cool. Uh, Acting like I was going to have a beer, but if so, if you were going to have a beer in Maryland, yep. I would I would drink with that whatever beer that you were offering. So I I'm happily obliged in that. Awesome, awesome. So if you could share your story, kind of who you are and and what do you do, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So uh, JP Ship, uh, owner of uh, partner, one of two people that own uh, Bailey and Ship Electric out here in uh, right. A little bit outside of Annapolis, Maryland, uh, we are a company that's roughly right under 50 employees total, uh, doing roughly 12 million a year in revenue. Um, have really strong mar- margins. Our, our, our profit margins are really, really strong. Uh, that's something that uh, we we really pride ourselves in. You know, making sure that we operate in a lean fashion, and that you know people are. We, we push our people, you know, to do their maximum effort. Uh, we don't, you know. Um, a lot of people wear multiple hats. And, you know, if, if you worked at my company, most people would say, I don't think we have enough people to do what we're doing, but somehow yeah. we managed to get it done. Um, you know, I, 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 I build the teams and I help motivate them and, you know, show them that they were capable of doing things that I don't think they believe that they could do. Um, we've always been very optimistic in the projects that we could take on. Um, and there really hasn't been one project that we've faced yet that we, weren't a hundred percent sure how to do, but we end up figuring out how to do it. So a lot of younger uh, people work at the company. Uh, I, I try to create that culture uh, that we're, we're all too smart not to figure something out. 
and you know we we have each other uh, to to figure out through. So, um, you know, like I said, uh, I guess it's almost ten years, uh, which is pretty crazy to think. Ten years. Okay, uh, you were one of the founders. You you started the company. Yes, sir. I did. Yep, I okay. started the company back in two thousand and. Uh, I guess it's 2010 okay. to the 11th year. So day one, what did the, what did the company look like? And walk us through kind of your your journey as an entrepreneur. Yeah, um, from then on. Day one. So day one, I'm, you know, getting out of college, Smith School of Business, and I'm I've got job opportunities to go Smith School of Business. Uh, excuse me, um, uh, NSA, uh, Under Armour, and AstraZeneca, and they were all you know 80, 90 grand ish a year, and which is great at the time. You know, 22 years old. But I was like making that much money as an electrician, like doing side work. And I was like, man, like I'm not even working full time and I can make this. I said, I don't, I don't think this makes a whole lot of sense. Like maybe I can start a company. Maybe it'll work. I don't know. So this is also, you know, the end of, uh, I guess it was that financial crisis, late mm-hmm. 2008, 2009. And you're like, okay, I don't really know what that is, uh, but let's just start working. So one guy in a van, you know, becomes two guys in one van and, you know, two guys becomes four guys, four guys becomes eight, you know, it it doesn't happen overnight for sure. But, you know, we just kept grinding through those early years, which were very stressful to be honest with you. Cause I mean, I was doing the work, right. I'm, I'm an electrician performing work. I'm doing everything, you know, estimating, performing work, installing, closing, covering up, you know, doing it all. And then doing the business side, right. To managing the books, uh, right. Sales. I mean, new leads coming in. Are you the one closing them too? Yeah, at that time yep. I was I was Mr. Do It All. Um, one thing I did learn uh, and got to take away from Smith School is that I needed to make sure that I surrounded myself with really intelligent people and smart people that most of the time were smarter than I was. And so I immediately uh, bit off more I could chew and hired an attorney that I couldn't afford. I I hired an accountant that I couldn't afford. I hired a insurance guy that was not the cheapest guy in town, and. Uh, my my actually you know wealth management guy was also known to be you know historically more expensive than other people but i but i i cut i at that age i could see through that there's a reason that these people are who they are and that the reason that they mm, charge yep. they charge so i was like you know i want to be like these people you know so only way to be like them is to be like them is to be with them you know talk to them you know, be brushing shoulders with them. And then, you know, once I got a, a surrounded by that, that good team, which I still have today, okay. um, you know, they, they really just keep, keep helping me elevate and, you know, you know, show you things that you wouldn't know otherwise. So, yep. so that's one thing that I would definitely tell people, young people, you know, it doesn't matter if you're young or old, but starting a business is making sure that, that, that team that's around you is, is really strong and, you know, that they're going to support you. Uh, right away. Yeah, that's awesome. And sometimes, you know, we think a price is someone's quote expensive, but really the price is a correlation or should be a correlation to the value that they bring. And so someone, if you vet them correctly, right, and they you know they got good experience, you know they have insights, you know, they're gonna deliver so much more value to you that it's gonna weigh like you're gonna get a return on that investment of that person as opposed to just being, you know, an expense line on your P and L for like legal expense or accounting expense. If your accountant right. can give you these ideas that saves you tens of thousands a year in your taxes, right? That like, and you pay them, you know, five grand, right? You get an eight, eight X on your money or whatever it is. So I think that's important lesson. I think a lot of people, you you know, there's a balance between you got to bootstrap, right? And grind it out, 
versus, you know, identifying, hey, this is actually an investment in a person to build my team that's going to turn, you know, this phrase, turn decades into days. Like it's going to expedite my journey so much quicker because right. I have these, this awesome team around me. So that's, I mean, that's an awesome lesson um, that you learned and you learned it early. And like I said, for, for other people, no matter where they're at, like surround yourself with a good team is, is, is a core like step you have to do. So. Yeah, Brian, I, I think a lot of people don't, <clears throat> they don't hold a lot of value, uh, especially when they're just starting a business, you know, and it's, you know, you're already just trying to tread water and survive. And you're like, what do you mean? I got, I could pay this other accountant like half, you know, and you're like, it's the same thing. Right. And, and no, it, it isn't, you know, apples aren't oranges. And unfortunately, you know, the good people, you know, they charge appropriately, which they should. And yep. so, I mean, I think the first year that I really noticed that my accountant was worth his weight in, in gold, I think he saved me like 40,000 in taxes. And I thought that was like amazing. You know, I was like, what? Yep. How much? Yep. Like 40? You don't know until like, you don't know until you know, right? And so that's, right. that's why you, you hire good people. So, um, okay. Yeah. So you're building the company. Right? Are you growing through acquisitions or is it purely just organic that you're just gaining market yeah. share and you're hiring people to just like absorb all this work you're getting now? Yeah, I wish it was, it was acquisitions. You know, if I... If I could build a time machine, I probably would have tried to do acquisitions much earlier. Um, but yeah, it was all organic growth. It was all sweat equity, you know, beating the streets, you know, working half days. And by half days, I mean 12 hours, you know, a day. You, you know what that means. Yeah. And, you know, just I just kept moving, uh, you know, and, and attracting good talent by paying them, paying them well, um, creating that culture that's that's different. And, uh, you know, going after the clients that are, you know, not easy to not easy to close. But, you know, once you get them on your team, you know that they're going to bring, you know, return on them, that investment, you know, year, year in, year, year in after. So how long did it take or how big was your company until you reached the point that you stopped, you know, turning the wrench, for example, you stopped like doing the work and, you, and then you started being more kind of the, the owner and the manager yeah. and kind of working on the business concept? Yeah, it was probably maybe six to seven years ago. I mean. To be honest with you, if I I still if I have to get in to do something, I, I will. I, I think it's an important I think it's an important aspect as an owner uh, to get your hands dirty. Yep. Right. Get my hands dirty, but to to have my team be confident that I I'll do what they're I'm telling them to do. So you know I'll I'll show up and I'll work twelve hour days. You know with them. You know side by side, and they're, and they're like, why is he even here? Like he doesn't need to be here. You know, but I, you know, I want to let them know that I understand what they're doing. I, I, I respect what they're doing. You know, I, I, I just think as an, as a leader, you get a lot more uh, return on your investment if they know that you're, you're willing to do what you're telling them to do. And, you know, not, not every day by any means, it makes no sense, but, you know, do it when it yeah, matters. Yeah, once in a while. Yep. Sure. Yeah. So I feel that's important. Okay. So have you grown? I mean, 50, 50 employees for, you know, service-based business. I mean, that's, that's significant. What's, what's the structure look like kind of now who, at the kind of the top level, you know, who are the key players? And then you know, how do you really yeah. identify roles, responsibilities, and then yeah, you know, kind of manage the crews? Yeah. So again, you know, I mentioned this before, but I, I put a lot of, you know, ownership on, on team, team leaders, right? I want them to, to take ownership of their responsibilities. So you know, I, I, I really do pay them well and for them to be paid well, you know, they have to, they have to do, you know, above and beyond what would be standard. So for instance, I have one guy 
he manages the commercial division. Uh, the commercial division is roughly three million, three to four million a year in revenue. Okay, and and he manages project managers that if the, you know those project managers, I require them to sell the project and manage the project. Most companies, like my company, would have an estimator who estimates it mm. and he passes it to the project manager. So. I have a different philosophy where I believe the project manager who sold it needs to be invested in the project to make sure it's successful. So they have to monitor the, the profit along the way. So if the profit is not where it needs to be, they don't get compensated for it. But if it's in the margins that we are expecting, they're compensated really well for it. So I, I don't like the whole, you know, hit it and quit it, you know, sell it, forget it. I want them to be with the project from the beginning through the end. And so if you ever hired a company, you know, a lot of times people have an estimator come out, even residentially, they'll come out and they'll, you know, they'll like the guy that sold the project and then yep. they'll never see they'll never see him again. Um, and that's not the that's not the philosophy that we employ. I want the people that sold you the job to be the people that stand next to you at the end and you know make sure that they get it done. So you got commercial division manager, you got residential division manager, you got generator division manager, um, you have an operations, you know, manager that oversees the, you know, entire operations of the company. You've got me at, you know, at the top, that's kind of chatting with everybody. Um, I, I, they always tell me that I shouldn't do certain things. They're like, why are you even getting involved? You know, but I, I like to stay engaged to what's happening. So, you know, I'll be in meetings that really I have no value in being in, but, you know, I just, I just like letting them know that, Hey, I'm, I'm listening. I know what's going on. Um, and also I'd like to, you know, take advice, you know, if I, you know, I may not have heard it if I wasn't at that meeting. So, um, the, the office staff is, is really strong. I have an awesome accountant that works and, you know, she handles, she actually acts like all the money is her money, which is wonderful. Yeah. That's um, a good trait. Yep. Yeah. I have a residential, um, service. Uh, I, I like to call him, but like the assistant manager, but all he, all he is, which this is one of the best things that ever happened to me. I, I'd like, I don't want to go on a tangent, but this story is pretty important. Okay. I, I had a, I had a technician that the guys, you know, late, late fifties, early sixties, overweight guy, one of the nicest guys in the world. He had been with me since day one. He's getting overweight. He can't really perform the work. I got to make a decision. Bob, you can't do the work anymore. Do you want to, you want to try something new? I, I don't do anything else. There's nothing else new I can do. I'm an electrician. That's it. He's like, I'm just going to go drive school buses. So I sat back and I was like, man, what can this guy do? Like he, he's not, he's not office oriented. I don't think he knows how I even type an email. So I said, Hey Bob, like, what do you think about trying to work in the office? And he goes, work in the office. I said, yeah. I said, you're really great with people. You know, you're, you're nice. You talk to people on the phone really well. He's like, all right, well, how much am I going to get paid? I said, well, probably about half of what you're making right now. And he goes, what? I said, I said, yeah, it's not the same. He's like, all right, well, can you do two thirds of what I'm making now? I said, yeah, I can do that. I'll go two thirds. So we negotiated the price. I got him in the office, hands down, best decision I ever made. The guy handles almost every phone call that comes through the Bailey and ship doors and the customers love him. This guy is super knowledgeable, master electrician you know, somehow knows you from somewhere. If you, if you call in, he just gives you that calming feel. We didn't have him before, you know, we had, you know, people that were respectful on the phone, but they weren't knowledgeable. They weren't master mm -hmm. electricians. So now, you know, when people call, they think Bob's, the own, he owns the company that, you know, cause he's so confident 
about talking about electrical work. Um, that decision, which it was an accident, you know, I didn't plan any of that, but it's been almost four years now. And that was one of the best decisions I ever made, you know? So yeah. he, if you call the company today, you'll more than likely get him and you'll, you'll get, and you'll understand what I'm saying about, you know, how yeah. well he is on the phone. Yeah. And the lesson there is, you know, you identify the right people because they have like these core values that, that align with your company, right? Like he's a hard worker, he's motivated, right? He, he represents you well. And it's a matter of, yeah. how, you know, but his the role changed, right? He's just not good at that role. And it's like, Hey, can you find another role for him that, you know, we, we can get value out of and, and be a win-win. So, I mean, that yeah. is a, that's, that's, yeah, it's more than luck. You identify that and you did something rather than just letting them go and say, Hey, good luck. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, that's I, an awesome story. It took, it took, a you know, I had to really think deeply about it. You know, uh, he was like a, fa- a second father to me, you know, it's like, I can't let this guy go. You know, I gotta, we gotta find something he can do. He can deliver material. But once, you know, once I real I was like, man, this guy, everyone loves him. They, and he talks so well. I was like, we got to put him on the phone. And uh, yeah, everybody just says, man, that's great that you got him in there. I actually had another another, uh, instance like that where I had to make some tough decisions and I had to shift people around. And luckily the Bob scenario had already happened. So I like, I knew that it probably could work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it has, you know, like you said, you identify those core values. They align with your company. You know who they are. They know who you are. And you just sometimes have to retrain them and, and get them retooled for a new position. Awesome. Hey, so for the next section here, if you don't mind, uh, can you walk us through kind of the the, the numbers of running uh, electrician business? So you did you, you do twelve million in revenue? You said. Yeah. Um, so how, how do you go about pricing the jobs? Is it an hourly rate, like kind of plus materials? Like walk us through first. What does it look like at the top level, and then we'll kind of work down from maybe some margins and you know what it kind of. What, what things you need to follow to make sure you run a profitable business? Yeah, so we we have essentially three different businesses in one business. So uh, let me I'll explain so it makes sense. So our first and uh, most you know cash on demand, if you will, business is our residential service division, right? So that's okay. sending out a tech or two techs. They show up to you know add recess lights, you know change outlets, install USB outlets, whatever electrical project you would need. So we've recently changed that pricing structure within the last year and it works great. We, uh, we charge $60 for us to show up and that's just to get us there. Once the, once the techs get there, they assess what you've asked them, you know, what you want them to do. They then provide you with the price. If you, you know, end up doing the work at that moment in time, then the $60 fee is waived and then they perform the work. So if it's a larger project, say it's like a residential addition or, you know, a project's going to take, you know, two, three, five, potentially 10 days, which it, which it does happen. Then I would send out strictly an estimator with no, there's no charge. That, that is a free charge. And we would provide an estimate based upon the scope of work. And then we would, you know, get approval. Once we obtain approval on the estimate, we take 50% deposit, 50% upon completion. Um, most pro- projects require a permit, you know, electrical license. Sure. Yep. And so we get the permit and make sure we do it, you know, appropriately and close that job out. So that's essentially the residential department in a nutshell. So generator department, uh, which is, you know, one of the smallest uh, actual mixes in our business, they, they do roughly about, you know, 500 to a million roughly because it depends on, you know, that year. People, generators are very cyclical. They're, you know, based yeah, upon yeah. storms and 
that kind of thing. So we have uh, generator maintenance agreements that we do annually. We have roughly 500 customers that are on our annual contract to get their generator service. That's roughly 375. And then we have the customers that aren't on our, you know, annual agreements that call in that, you know, they, they call in when they want it, you know, so, you know, you could have a hundred extra that year. You could have 300. We don't know. And then we, we have uh, some generator maintenance contracts with some local, um, local government agencies. We have the Virginia Department of Transportation, Maryland Department of Transportation. We have some work with Anne Arundel County. So we, we maintain their generators. And this is commercially, but it's yep. still under the same. So you're taking them on a subscription model to, you know, have the guaranteed yeah. revenue and do the service and take care exactly. of it. Yeah, yeah which, is, you know, which is ideal. And then uh, beyond that, we have our commercial and then our government, which you can kind of loop them in the same category. Um, the commercial jobs, they are estimated based upon the scope of work. You know, you get plans, you get information, you give them a price. It's really, really, it's really strongly driven by relationship management. So, you know, a client can say, Hey, look, your numbers, you know, 680,000. I had another guy at 650. I'd like to use you guys. And then okay. play, get to, you play the game 650. Okay. I can do 660. You know, you get to close the deal. So that it's, it's really, really relationship driven. Uh, driven. The government side, which is where I, I like to spend most of my time because the, the profit margins are really strong, is where you have to bid projects and you have to be the lowest qualified bid. So you have to be the lowest you know, to be accepted and, and qualified. But if you're able to search and hunt and find jobs that are not, you know, not mainstream, the ones that are difficult to find, obviously then there's less competition. So as you get higher in the contract value, three million, five million, six million, you know, there's less competition because these people aren't bonded. They aren't cap- they don't have the financial strength. Remember, I mentioned that at the beginning. Yep. So if you have the financial strength, you're already in a different category that other people can't play in. So then you find those jobs that are hard, and boom, you close them at you know really high margins. Okay, so so you're trying to. Find government contracts that are on the high spectrum, right? Because you have less people competing. There's just not yeah. as many companies that either probably want to commit that amount of time and you know manpower to do the deal, or just they're not yeah. capable of it, right? Yeah, it's a mix. It's uh, I see more often than not that they're just not capable because they don't, you know, they don't they don't understand the paperwork aspect of it. They 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 see paperwork and they run and they're like, I don't want to be dealing with so, that. How much a year are you doing in government work? So. Uh, Six, about, you know, about half our revenues. Okay. About so about six million a year. And is that split up just like a couple big jobs, like two or three really big jobs? Yeah, it, it depends on the year. Um, you know, we just sold one job alone. It's five million, you know, and then I just sold another one behind that. It's 1.7. So. Uh, and how long will that take you? A $5 million? So the $5 million job is a 365 day uh, project. So that's it's one, one year. year. Yeah. Okay. One how year. Pay, uh, how, how do they pay you? So they they're they're you know they're slower pay. They normally it's uh, you know they say it's thirty days, but average it's more like sixty. Okay. Um, and you, you set know, milestones that, for that, so you're not you're not yeah, waiting a year yeah, to get you, paid, right? Yeah, you set um, it's called a schedule of values, uh, and you you create that at the beginning of the project, and then the government contracting officer or whoever is your point of contact, which is sometimes a construction management company they approve that schedule of values and okay. they say, yeah, okay, we approve that we can, you can bill based upon those milestones. Okay. 
Interesting. For somebody who's who's in a service based business looking to you know get into this type of work, where where do they go to find these these government contracts? Yeah, that's 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 the that's the million, millions of dollar question. Um, this is all, but it's all public, right? This yep. is all public information. Yep. So, um, depending on you know if they're looking for federal, state, or local, which would be you know your county government, um, they all have different avenues. So federally, you know the SAMS website is is available. Yep. Um, there's plenty of opportunities there, but you know it's it's really tough to navigate. And then, uh, like for our state, the state of Maryland, um, they have this a website called E Maryland Marketplace, also known as EMA. That's what most people call it, and you can see all these, you know, public bid opportunities right online. Search them all, and then locally for us, you know, Anne Arundel County has been a really strong supporter of Bailey and Ship the last three years, um, and they they publish they publish things through this uh, website called Port. P-O-R-T. Mm. And that's, um, they just, when, whenever they're ready to come out, they just send them out. And, you know, you, you have to be paying attention because they don't remind you. They don't tell you anything. You just have to, you have to always be checking. Mm. You can set reminders. You can set, you know, keywords on your, on your internet search capabilities that could, you know, email you automatically once, you know, those keywords mm. pop up. Uh, but you have to be looking, you know, cause they're not, they're not going to, they, they can't recommend anybody. So they just have, uh, to, yeah, yeah. They have they to get put, the bids and yep. yep. And then they, uh, and they actually open the bids publicly, which is something that's pretty exciting. So, you know, if you, you send a bid in, there's uh, actually the last bid we did was public and it was uh, no other bidders. We were so the you can bid. see what other people bid at, you know, their numbers yeah. and you know who bid it, and, which is cool. Cause then you can kind of assess, okay, my number was right or it was totally wrong. Okay. And they have engineers' estimates too. If you're the only bid, can you resubmit a new bid at a higher price? I wish, Ryan. Uh, no, they uh, they yeah, take the bid, and, and actually, um, oftentimes, if, if your bid's too high, they'll they'll kick the kick the bid out entirely and have to go back to you know publish it again. Okay, all right, yeah. If it's like nowhere near what their their budget is, yeah, cool. That's good stuff. Um, hey, so the next section, I want, I want to move on to kind of your wealth building journey. You yeah. Know, one of the things I'm, I'm working on teaching people and talking about is to treat building your wealth and managing your wealth like you manage your your business. Yeah. So it means, you know, you set goals, you track it, you take control of it, right? You diversify, you know, you, you take a proactive approach uh, as opposed to, you know, what kind of like the Wall Street world wants to teach you is just give it all to financial advisors and, you know, they have control over it. So if you could kind of walk you through kind of maybe your philosophy on, on wealth building kind of up to this point, and then maybe kind of the future of where you see, you know, how you're going to generate income from beyond, you know, just your business. Yeah, Brian, I just want to say that I think that's a great uh, aspect uh, and idea that you'd like to help people help build their own personal wealth. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, You know, taking control of your own wealth is, is, is so key and so important because you know, you're right. These other people, they just want to take your money and, and put it to work, but you know, you're getting a very small percentage of that return on investment. And, you know, whether, you know, if you have the opportunity to, to do it on your own then you should take it. So, yeah. So I, I've taken that exact same approach since I was very young. Um, although I do, I do recommend mac- maximizing your 401k, your Roth IRA. And if you are young enough and you start a whole life insurance policy, I know there's a whole, debate whether whole life or, you know, or not works. It's, it's, that's a whole nother story, but I think you maximize your tax incentive, um, yep. you know, retirement accounts. Yep. Once, 100% agree. And I have a, I have a whole life 
you know, infinite banking, you know, is what they call it, strategy where you overfund these cash value life insurances, yep. they build up and they can yep. borrow from it. And, but yeah, whole, whole other topic. But yeah, it's, it's, it's lots of ways out there, right? That you can yep. um, warehouse your cash, as they say. But yep. so, I've been doing that since I was 25 years old. So I, I totally agree with you. So, but me personally, so I recommend that you should work on building your wealth with things that you're familiar with. So uh, don't don't put yourself in a position to go buying cryptocurrency if you've never heard about it and you don't know what it is. Yep. Uh, but if you know if you're in construction like I am, which I've been in for a very long time, you know I understand what real estate markets are like. I understand what real estate wealth is like, and I've seen a lot of these people. I've brushed shoulders with them and I've watched what they've done. So I I just simply copy what they've been doing. So you know I've been accumulating a portfolio of rentals. Um, I've been able to. I, I luckily still manage them on my own currently, but you know it's getting close to where I won't be able to manage it by myself much longer. Um, but you know, you know, having rental properties that are generating at least enough to cover your note if you have a mortgage, um, you know, they're going to be worth what they're going to be worth in you know fifteen to thirty years. I recommend getting uh, fifteen-year mortgages. Me personally, yeah. um, you know, delay. I've been a big advocate of delaying gratification. You don't if you don't need the money now. Uh, why, why use it now? So, you know, use it and, and forget you even have it, let it go to work. And, and in 15 years, you have a house that's paid off. How many and, properties do you have now? So right now I have seven. Okay. All single family homes? No, actually, uh, four of them are townhouses. So I personally believe that townhouses and condos are the best rentals, um, only from experience. Single family houses have a lot of opportunities for things to break not mm-hmm. work well you've got a you have a well at every house that's you know typically you know away from a city you've got a septic system so there's two things alone that mm-hmm. if, if you've got a condo or a townhouse typically you know you don't have to combat with the yards are smaller if not not existent and uh the houses are much easier to maintain and uh you know yeah the, the return uh the, the turnover is normally a little higher you know you can get a tenant in two three years at your single family house, but the condos and townhouses, there's only so many things that have to be fixed. And, and you might have to give the HOA fees and some of the things you just got to, you know, make sure your rent covers so you can cash flow on them. So. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that that is a, that's a great point, Brian. So yeah, make sure that you pay those HOA fees. <laughs> I know from experience, they will sue you. So yeah. I, I missed I missed one HOA, uh, this Piney Orchard HOA, and they, they come at you hard. Pitbulls, I think I owed them $350 and they were putting a lien on that. Yeah, they got a systematized to talk about like, yeah. Yeah. Getting their money. They don't, they um, don't play. Awesome. So stick to what you know, d- delay gratification, invest in real estate, you know, p- pay down debt, uh, keep it simple. I think that's good, right? Like the simpler the property in a sense, right? The less like work you got to put into it, which makes it right. more passive. Uh, right. Any what What else? Yeah. So, I mean, if if you feel comfortable with, you know, investing in the market, you know, if you have that knowledge and you feel confident, there's companies that you believe in. I really believe you need to, you know, believe in the company and who, you know, look at the leadership, look at the management, you know, look at their actual numbers, you know, is the company profitable or not? And, you know, if you see, you know, long-term growth available, you know, buy, buy stock options and companies that you believe in and just hold on to it, you know, depending on, you know, your age, you know, if you have the time to wait, please wait. Uh, dollar cost averaging is uh, definitely the best way to, to purchase yep. stocks. You know, don't, don't uh, blow it all on, on one. And, you know, just like you said, diversify, you know, 
buy the companies that you believe in and, and just keep, keep an eye on it. But, you know, don't, don't be married to your ticker on your phone because then you'll lose track of what, you know, your everyday focus is, you know, on your company, if you're, if you're building a company. So, you know, you, you don't want to be too distracted with, you know, focusing on your personal wealth. If you, you know, you there's an opportunity cost with time. So, you know, you got to spend it wisely and, you know, you know, do it, do it to where it makes sense. Yep. And in the, for, for entrepreneurs like us, you know, the best investment we can get is to invest in our own business. Yep. Right. I mean, we can, I can go out and we can buy more. We've run auto, auto repair shops, right? We can go buy and we can get like a hundred percent of our money back within the first year, if not more, you know, I'm not getting a hundred percent return on my money anywhere else uh, besides right. that. So, yep. you know, and so over yours, how, how have you grown yours? Is it, is it money back into it? Is it, is it marketing to grow it? Like how do you invest back in your business to, to grow yeah. it? That's a great question, Brian. So um, oftentimes I try to invest in people. So I try to attract good talent to get them on my team. Again, that, that, that's financially sure. driven. Um, so I, you know, get the good people on the team. I buy equipment that holds value. Um, we own our building where we operate out of uh, currently. Um, we pick up, you know, material that we know is going to hold value. Um, that, you know, we, we buy a lot of material that holds so you buy value. buy bulk, huge bulk to save costs on the material. Correct. You know, and okay. then at the end of our fiscal year, um, instead of, you know, like, like normal, instead of uh, sending it to Uncle Sam, we'll buy all the things that we know we're going to need the next year. And, you know, well, I have already had them paid for. So. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Who has been an important like mentor or coach uh, in, in your life? And what have they taught you? Yeah. I, you know, I haven't had one. I, I, I feel I, I people ask me this question all the time because, you know, I, you don't know like my whole backstory, but, um, I've had, you know, I have, you know, challenges, things stacked against me, but, you know, I don't look at it like that. I, I look at it like, um, to be honest with you, I've always just believed in myself. I, I hate to simplify it. There's never been one guy that or woman that I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to copy and emulate them. I've, I've been able to be smart enough to identify, you know, who's somebody I should copy and who's somebody I shouldn't copy. Um, I'm very thankful that I've had that, you know, if I had to pick one person that, that really has shaped me, who my life is, it's really got to be my grandmother. Um, she okay. took care of me when I was, uh, you know, when I was zero, you know, my mom had me when she was 14. Oh, wow. So you know, I had uh, a lot of, you know, organic love that was shown to me that, you know, I've been able to, you know, it's grown since I was, you know, one, two, zero, you know, so yeah. Um, she gave me, you know, good outlook on, on life. And, you know, I really have had, I've been an entrepreneur just like you for as long as I can remember. So, you know, I never really knew I was, I knew that I wasn't going to work for somebody ever. I just, it just never was going to be in the car for me. So, you know, cutting grass, you know, delivering newspapers, you name it, you know, I just, yeah, you had that bug. Really, yeah. Yeah. It just, it just wasn't in there for me. Would you mind sharing some of that backstory and some of those challenges that you've gone through and you've overcome? Yeah, no, I don't have a problem with that. So, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned, uh, you know, my mom was 14 when I was born. So my grandmother pretty much raised me until uh, she, my mom was able to, you know, like, take me back, if you will. Um, we grew up in a, in a mobile home establishment. Trailer park is what most people call it. So, um, you know, 14 by the time I was 14, you know, I was pretty much raising myself, you know, really by the time I was 12, I was essentially raising myself. So, you know, my mom would, would tell me, Hey, you know, stay out of trouble type of thing. She wouldn't advocate for me to get in trouble, but there was never really a deadline or rule. Like I didn't have to be home at any certain time. You know, I could just, I had free, I had free will to yeah. do whatever I wanted to do, which was good and bad. So, 
I was able to experience a lot of things early in my life that most people didn't experience until they're in college. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so I had a lot of real world, you know, life experiences that I'm like, you know, you're doing stuff that you think is normal, but then, you know, you're like, whoa, I'm way ahead. Uh, so, you know, when you start realizing you got to take care of yourself, you know, you're like, okay, I got to make money because it's not growing on trees. Like I had to buy my own school clothes, all that stuff. So I would, I, I started uh, to, the first job I ever had was, you know, uh, delivering newspapers. While I was delivering newspapers, I started to cut grass, um, which uh, my long business was grasshoppers. I don't know why I thought that was a good, good name back then, but uh, it was obviously all cash business. Life was good. Um, I ended up getting another job at giant food, uh, being like a bagger, you know, yeah. and then I, then I got moved to like shop stocking. I'm still cutting grass on the weekends and I'm, you know, I'm making money. Life, life seems to be good. And you know, I'm like, man, like this is, this is, there's gotta be more, you know? Yeah. So by the time I was 15, I was like 15 and a half. I was then working at a golf course close to my house where there's a bunch of rich people. You know, at, that's how I call, I called them rich people back then. You know, they're members of this, this golf course. And I'm like, how are these guys, like, how did they get here? Like, I mean, look at these cars, you know, look what they're wearing. Man, life is good to be them. So, you know, you talk, you start talking to them, asking questions. And I end up meeting um, one of my good friend's dads there. I, I knew who he was, but I wasn't like friends, you know, the dad. I didn't know, know his dad. I just knew of him. And he was like, hey, you know, you ever thought about being an electrician? And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, what, like how much you get paid? He was like, uh, you, you get $11 an hour. That's what we start off. I was making six. It was almost double. So I was like, okay. And how start? old were you then? 16-ish? Uh, 15. 15, okay. Yep. Yeah, I was still not driving yet. I was riding my, riding my bike uh, to, to work because uh, it was about three miles away. So it's not too bad. So uh, I told him, I said, yeah, I'd love to start uh, right away. Like I'm quitting tomorrow, you know? So he hired me right away. That's right then, then that moment in time is when I became an electrician, you know, almost 20 years ago. So, um, my mom had other children along the way. So I had a, um, I guess I was, I was 11 when my brother that I was really close with was born. So my brother is born. I'm helping, you know, raise him while, you know, along the way, but I'm still young too. So go through high school, get, you know, I'm, I'm now ready to go to college. I'm still working as an electrician. Um, I end up going to university of Maryland while I'm at university of Maryland. Um, I ended up coaching my little brother's lacrosse team, you know, really his, his mentor. I'm like his dad, his yeah. brother, same yeah. thing. So I'm doing that, uh, through, through college working, putting myself through college, you know, not, it is what it is, you know, and you just got to work hard. You got to work hard. Yep. So I get through all that. Um, you know, now, you know, business is rolling, electrical works rolling. Uh, my little brother's still along. He's with me all along the way. Um, unfortunately he ended up, you know, when I was 28, uh, I think I was 28, he ended up passing away. Oh, I'm sorry. He had, uh, had a, a four wheeler accident. It was like one of the most toughest things that's ever happened in my life. So like, I'm like this kid that I raised, you know, he's, cause I was eight, you know, he was 18 when he passed away. So I was like, oh my God, like, this is horrible. You know, like just a freak accident. But it was like, you know, it was really challenging because it's like, man, this is all yeah. I ever knew. You know, and he's who I knew, you know, like I'm, I'm his everything, you know? So, you know, I had to, you know, I had a good support. My, you know, I was, I think I was about to be married or I was married. I can't remember the time, you know, oh, I was almost going, I was going to be married. So, 
you know, I had my future wife was very supportive and her family supportive. We got through that, you know, I'm back on it, you know, still running the company, right? Yeah, at that time, still running the company. So a couple of years after that, you know, you know, my mom goes, overdoses on drugs and dies, you know? I'm like, oh, like, but, you know, me and her were more like, um, like friends, you know, it wasn't like a mom-son kind of mm. relationship. You know, I still yeah. loved her. I was, you know, but I need to take care of her too. So that happens, you know, and, uh, you know, you just got to pick. She actually never met my daughter, which was crazy because, uh, you know, she, my daughter was born in like June and she ended up passing away. And uh, I guess it was August. So two months, my daughter was alive. She never met her. So, you know, you look back and you're like, man, like, why does this stuff happen? You know, not to mention, I, you know, I, the whole, I never mentioned my father for a reason because he was never, he was never in my life. He was never mm-hmm. around. Yeah. But it was actually, you know, again, I, I look at that situation like a blessing because I, I now know who my father is. Right. And I know that if I would have been around him, I would have gotten picked up all the bad habits that he has. Like I see that now. So I'm like, yeah. wow, I'm actually lucky that I wasn't around him, you know? So you know, I've had, a, I even had more things that I didn't talk about. I try to like cram a lot in a little, little bit of time, but I've, yeah. I've had a lot of challenges in life that I've been able to flip and I've been able to say, you know what? Like it's here to make me stronger. Like I can do it. You know, I wouldn't be in this, I wouldn't get put in this situation if I was going to fail. So, you know, I looked at myself and said, Hey man, you got to pick yourself up. Like you got to do, you know, if you don't do it, no one's going to do it. And if you have that same, you know, mentality with everything that you come into contact with, you really can do anything, you know, because, you know, no one is going to push you harder than you. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just yeah. not possible. So, you know, the life challenges that, you know, happen to me throughout the way, you know, I'm very thankful for all of them. You know, I have a, a picture of the trailer that I grew up in. I look at it almost every single day. So, like, I, I'm reminded, like, this is where you came from. And, you know, don't forget, you know, you got to keep working hard. You got to keep being humble. You got to do the right thing. You can't fall off, you know, because you can go back to where you started. You know, it's very easy to do. You know, people get, you know, you know, lost in the day to day and, they, you know, forget the most things that, you know, what's very important and they forget who they were to get to where they are. You know what I mean? So yeah. I try to make sure that I remind myself of those things and, you know, just appreciate, you know, every single day. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. I mean, you have a, such an inspirational story, you know, and, and to take that, that positive outlook and, you know, a lot of people, you know, in your situation would probably think, you know, why does this happen to me? Right. And, and they're blaming someone else and they're, and they're taking this negative view while you're looking at it through a positive lens to say, Hey, what, you know, this is a challenge, but what can I learn from it and how can I continue to improve and then impact, you know, those around me and, you know, now you've, you know, you built a huge company and, you know, it sounds like you, you have a lot of good employees that you pay well. And, you know, you're the, you're the rising tide around you is kind of lifting all the boats. And so, um, but yeah, yeah. Man, th- thanks for sharing that. that. That's, that's an awesome story. And I think an inspiration yeah. or should be to, to a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I, I, you know, I don't want to bore you with my life story, but you know, people that know me, you know, it's, it, there's more that I can share, but they, they do believe like, Oh man, JP, you got to write a book about this. You got to write a book about how to, how to overcome life challenges. And, and like you said, yeah, there's definitely times when I've wondered, you know, why me? You yeah. know, I've definitely thought that, you know, but when I, when I, I remind myself, I'm like, it's, it is you. Yeah. You, you're here. So yeah. you want to get out of it. You know, you get out of it. Yeah. 
You have no, to take action, right? You have a plan, you take action, you keep grinding. You know, obviously that's yeah. the culture, like like you said, in, in, in your organization, it starts with you, which is, you know, you're going to push it to the limits. You're going to get people outside of their comfort zone. You're going to take on these big projects, you know, and 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 know you're going to get it done. And I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's your story, right? That's how you were raised and yeah. you, you had to figure it out. And now you're you're applying the same principles and teaching your guys the same thing. Fake it till you make it. There you go. So what's what's next? What's on the yeah. next horizon for for you and in your company? And yeah, so um, uh, you know, I, I haven't shared this with a whole lot of people, but you know, there's been a lot of you know some significant interest with companies that are interested in buying us. Um, maybe you know, maybe you know, I've had people want to buy our company many of times throughout you know the years, but none of them that were significant offers. And I was like, nah, there's no way I'm going to take that. Um, so there's a possibility that if the right offer comes along, I'd be willing to sure. sell the company. And, uh, you know, they still would have to stay on uh, for, for a little bit um, and, you know, you know, make sure that the, you know, that the transitions, you know, uh, you know, appropriately done. Um, you know, so that is an option. That's a possibility. Um, I'd really like to, to explore the well drilling, you know, with Shane, you know, because I know that, you know, I, I know the supply and demand, you know, the factors are there and that, that company can be very successful. Um, but, you know, again, like I told you before, I, you know, you got to remind yourself that there's an opportunity cost. So if I take away from bailing ship, you know, then, you know, then I'm not focused on bailing yeah. ship on doing something else. So, you know, like you said, simplification is, is really key, you know, make sure your time is really, you know, impacted effectively. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 35 now. Um, I have a, you know, two small children, a two-year-old and a zero-year-old. So um, before I'm 40, I really want to take a full year off and, and travel with, you know, the whole family. Um, however, I'm able to do that. I know financially I'm able to do it, but, you know, being able to, you know, operationally, step, yeah, yeah, operationally yeah. Step, step away for a full, full, full year and really just enjoy, um, you know, life with them. So, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of, you know, wealthy people about this and, you know, they, they think it's crazy uh, in a way because, uh, you know, they didn't do it, you know, and I, I, I told them, I said, look, like I want to experience prime time life in my prime. And, you know, I don't want to regret not having, you know, yep. these, you know, really these important moments. Yeah. I mean, they're only little for a little while. So, you know, I, I really like, I'm, I'm confident that we're going to be able to, to get it set up. You know, my wife is already kind of getting our itinerary and, and, and plan set up, you know, okay. We're going to take a boat. If we're going to fly, we're going to, you know, we don't, we're not really sure the logistics of it, but you know, the planning is in preparation. That's awesome. Any books you're reading now that you'd like to recommend? You know, I, I'd love to tell you, I, I, you know, I am, but not, not currently. Uh, I'm still, I'm still deep in the operations of, of okay. bailing ships. So fair, fair um, enough. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So where can listeners connect and, and find out more kind of about you and your company? Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you got, you know, we have our website, needelectric.com. Um, Bailing Ship has a lot of social media accounts. You know, they got, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and, you know, Twitter. But most of the content that uh, Bailing Ship posts out, it's uh, through Facebook. Uh, it seems to be pretty, pretty consistent median with, you know, our customer base. Uh, Facebook really has, has, you know, become, if you will, this, you know, it's the standard yeah, yeah. Sure. of all ages. So, you know, a lot of that stuff, you know, but if anybody wants to connect with me directly, I can provide, um, you know, my, my email and, you know, phone number, but, you know, I, I try not to get, get too distracted. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Easy to do. 
Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing uh, your your journey through through business and your strategies and wealth building and you know some of your, your core lessons there. So I um yeah, thank you for the time and, and wish you the best of luck. Yeah, Brian, I'd li- I'd like to hear uh you know I uh, flip the coin and hear hear from you. So I don't know if anybody's interviewed you yet, but uh, I've I've been on a few. I'm trying to get on some more, but yeah, I'll, I'll share that once I'm a guest. Yep. You have to share me some of the ones that uh, you were on so I can, you know, learn more about about you. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks again. And I'll talk to you. Yeah, appreciate it. Have a good one. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode of Business with Beers. My goal with every episode is to help inspire you to reach new levels of success in your own business and life. So start taking action today. And in order to help this podcast reach more people, please rate, review, and share. To connect with me on Instagram and Twitter, check out the links in the show notes. And until next time, have a great day.